People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our chicken rolled food as a meal or shred it as a topper. Blog Talk Radio. I own it. I didn't. Not proud, but that was me. And when I face it, I take back a little dignity. Not looking for excuses. I just want to be free from power. And welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. And tonight I am joined by my co-host, Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Al. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. That's good. And tonight we are going to talk about recovery meetings. And here on the Bubble Hour, we do not endorse or promote any particular program or pathway to recovery. We honor the traditions of 12-step programs, and as such, we do not discuss them by name, and we will continue to honor this policy. However, we receive several emails from listeners who are considering going to a recovery meeting or have gone to one or two and have questions they still feel shy about asking someone in person. We've received several requests to do a show that talks about what recovery meetings are like. So on this episode, we will talk about recovery meetings, sometimes also known as 12-step meetings, with the following important caveat. We can only share our own experience, strength, and hope, and we do not endorse any one pathway to recovery. You will notice that we also do not refer to any specific program by name, and this is deliberate as we are not spokespeople for any particular program, 12-step or otherwise. On the Bubble Hour, we strive to create community, which is the cornerstone to all forms of recovery, in our opinion, and we honor and recognize that for many, but not for all, this community is found in 12-step meetings. Many listeners message us that they made the decision to try a recovery meeting to seek this community, and others tell us they are curious but fearful and want to know what to expect. So, if you are considering a 12-step recovery meeting, this episode is for you. Please bear in mind, though, that meetings can be different based on culture or location or a group's dynamics. Um, We also want to emphasize that uh, meetings are are different. There's different types of meetings, and we'll get into that in more detail later on in the show. Um, But we we encourage an open mind if you're going to approach a recovery meeting because, you know, there's – there's the right meeting out there for absolutely everybody, and if you try one kind and it's not for you or you don't have a great experience, we absolutely encourage you to go to another one and keep trying until you find the community that works for you. So we thought we would start this episode by each of us describing what our first recovery meeting was like. And Amanda, can we start with you? Sure, sure. So, um, well, I think like many of our listeners, going to my first recovery meeting was absolutely terrifying to me. Um, but I um, was pretty desperate to find community and get help and do whatever I needed to do to get better. 
And so I and I was fortunate enough to have people in my life that had been to recovery meetings. So I was able to ask them a little little bit about them and they said, you know, basically said just go. You'll you'll be okay and um actually the advice of my father was just in the back, shut up and listen. And it's actually probably the best advice that I could have gotten. Um because really, um, walking into my first meeting, it I was ter- I, like I said I was terrified, and I did go and sit. You know there was um, you know a table around the room, and I sat in the back, and somehow people recognized that I was new, <laughs> um, probably <laughs> me well, <laughs> because I was trembling and they had never seen me before, and I I think I was probably crying. And um, so I, I will add that there. It is okay to walk into a meeting crying um, because I was mm-hmm. terrified. And um, but I got over my fear and I went. I and I I sat in the back and, and people saw that I was scared and they came up and introduced themselves to me and they couldn't have been more kind. I and they said, why don't you come sit next to us at the table and we'll tell you what's going on. And it was the first time that I realized that the people um, in these meetings are just the most, have the most generous souls, and, you know, they were just there to help me. And so I sat and I listened, and I I did end up sitting at the main table, and I believe there, I can't even remember what the format was for this particular meeting because it was a daily meeting that met... um, Monday through Friday in the morning, and I went. I ended up going there every day for a very, very long time. And the meeting, uh, the format was different at this particular meeting every day, and it was kind of geared towards beginners because I knew that a lot of people coming in would, um, you know, need to experience different type of meetings. So the format did change day to day, but basically, people went around the room and they shared their experience and. Um, just about, you know, what what it was like for them and how things were better for them. And some people talked about how they were having a hard time, and then I remember it came to me, and I was terrified about what I do, and I just said, you know, I'm, 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 my name's Amanda, and I'm here for the first time, and, you know, if anyone could help me out, I'd appreciate it. And I didn't know I was doing the right thing when I did that, but that was, you know, they already had recognized that I was new, but more people came up to me after the meeting and said, oh, you know, you know, we're here to help you, you know, just keep coming, you'll figure it out. And I can tell you that I I sat in that meeting and, you know, some of the things that, you know, I, I could un- identify with a lot of what people were saying. They were talking about the same feelings that I had. And I, fi- I felt comfortable. Um, I, you know, I know that's not always the case for people, but for me, I felt very comfortable. And I felt like I had found my tribe, and, you know, people who understood me because they were saying things that I was feeling. And I know I didn't say much that day except for to say that I was new. And it, it, it was amazing. It was just amazing, the community that I found. And I continued, like I said, to go to that meeting for, I don't know, well over a year. And I went, um, actually, when I went back to work after five weeks, I couldn't go every day. But I went there regularly whenever I had a day off of work, too, after I did go back to work. And it just, it, it, 
it was really, I guess the main thing I got out of it, it was really about finding community. And I didn't have a license at the time. And I don't, someone had asked me that. And, you know, I eventually, you know, talked on the side to a woman after the meeting. And, you know, she said, you know, just get a phone list and, you know, people will help you with rides. And I and and I didn't take rides for a while. It was you know nice out, and so I would walk there. But eventually, I got to know people, and I got comfortable, and people helped me out, and I made some of the best friends in my life that I'm still friends with today. Being there, mm. so um, I mean that was that was my first experience. I had many more. I had another first that same night <laughs> because I went <laughs> to an, another one that night, and it, it turned out it was a women's meeting. And, you know, it was the same type of experience. So that that's how it was for me, uh, the best I can remember. Um, what about you, Ellie? What was your first oh, meeting like? A, I, I identify so much with everything that you talk about. And I, um, I actually, as I was thinking about what I wanted to, to say about my first meeting, I remembered that back in 2010, because I was um, blogging about a lot of my recovery journey back then, I actually wrote a post that's not terribly long. So I think I'm just going to read that and maybe add some commentary at the end, but you'll see a lot of similarities between what you describe um, with probably the most salient difference being I I don't think anybody ever really wants to go to their first meeting. You don't see that many people skipping in the door, just happy to be there. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I was downright angry. I did not want to go. I was going because, um, I mean, this is kind of interesting because I knew I was an alcoholic. I wasn't in denial about that. I, you know, everybody in my life that cared about me was saying that I needed to stop drinking, that I needed to get help. And um, I was just so determined to figure out a way. I was going to figure out a way to drink like a regular person or drink in in moderation and I went to my first meeting actually my first series of meetings um, pretty much because I had to in particular for the first one I could just remember feeling like I'm just going to get everybody off my back so um, and again I wrote this post in 2010 but my first meeting was actually this is three years past so I was about three years sober when I wrote this post so here it goes it says I'm sitting in my car in the church parking lot I want to go in. I don't want to go in. I watch as people saunter into the meeting, sipping coffee, chatting with each other, laughing. I'm sick and I'm miserable. I'm here because I have to be here. My husband told me to go to meetings or else. I don't know what the or else is yet. In my heart, I can't really believe he would leave and take the kids, but that is my fear. Part of me doesn't care. Part of me thinks they'd be better off without me. I glance at the clock. The meeting starts in three minutes. I don't know what to do. I could drive around for an hour, say I went to the meeting, but I know where my car will go, to the liquor store. I want to prove to my husband that I can do this. I still don't know what this is. I can't imagine it will be to stop drinking forever. I've lied so much, though, said I would stop, tried to stop, and I can't. I just can't. I know I need to go in, but I can't get my feet to move. One minute until it starts, I burst into tears. I'm so angry, so, so angry that I've let it come to this. A life of church basements, coffee, and strangers. If only I had stopped after one last, after what, uh, sorry, if only I had stopped after one last night, like I promised myself I would. 
My husband wouldn't be so angry today, and I wouldn't be here. I wipe away my tears, grab my coffee mug, and get out of the car. Maybe there won't be an empty seat, I think. If there are no seats, I'm turning around and leaving. I swing open the door. Right in front of me is an empty seat. Shit. A woman (laughs) smiles at me, packs the seat, and says, Welcome. I knew it was a cult, I think. I keep my eyes on the floor (laughs) as the meeting starts. I feel like everyone is staring at me. I'm the weak one. Most people are smiling, so they can't be as bad as me. I'm the worst. I'm the worst ever. The chairperson, or whatever he's called, says, Anybody new here? Anyone want to introduce themselves? No freaking way, I think. But my hand goes up. All heads swivel towards me. I'm staring at my hand like I've never seen it before. I'm supposed to say something, I think. Crap, what do I say? I'm Ellie, I stammer. I'm not going to say it, I think. I'm not going to say the A word. And I think I'm an alcoholic, I say, involuntarily. Welcome, Ellie, they say in unison. I'm shaking from head to toe, and the tears start flowing before I can stop them. The woman next to me puts her hand on my shoulder. It's okay, she says. You're going to be okay. No, it's not okay, I think bitterly. Screw you. Screw you and all the people in here. You have no idea how much pain I'm in and what a terrible person I am. A woman about my age gets up to the podium to speak. I stare at the floor. She is blonde, pretty, and smiling. She introduces herself, says she's a grateful recovering alcoholic. Whatever, I think. And then she tells my story. She's a mother. She has two kids. She's been sober about two years. She hit her bottles the same place I did. She came here because her husband made her come. She stays now, she says, for herself. I'm not looking at the floor anymore. I'm staring at her, agape. I thought I was the only one, I think. Someone else gets up to speak, but I don't hear what he says. I keep stealing glances at the pretty blonde woman. There is no way, I think. There is no way she did those things she talked about. There's no way she's just like me. Suddenly, the meeting is over. An hour passed already? One whole hour passed, and I didn't think about drinking. Not once. Some people come up to me and give me their phone numbers. I'm just trying to get out of there. I wonder if I'll go straight home or if I'll stop at the liquor store. I don't know yet. I never seem to know. I stuff the phone numbers in my pockets and mumble some thank yous. I don't think I'm thankful, and I'm definitely not calling anyone. As I open the door to leave, I feel a hand on my shoulder. It's the pretty blonde woman. There's a meeting tomorrow, too, you know, she says. I hope to see you there. She smiles and walks out to her car. I don't know if I'm going to the liquor store or not, but I do know that I'll be back tomorrow because I can't remember the last time I didn't think about drinking for one whole hour, and it felt pretty good. Wow. So that was my first. That was my first meeting, and all the, you know, the, the tug of war of I don't want to be there, I want to be there, and and uh, I sat in that same meeting. I went back to that meeting and others pretty much every night for for months, actually. And for a long time, I sat with my arms crossed in the back and was angry and resentful. But, uh, you know, I kept going anyway. Um, And I know, whether I knew it consciously then or not, that it was because it was just like you described. I felt safe. I felt welcome. I didn't feel judged. I mean, any feelings I had of being different were all feelings that I created in my own head. You know, the thinking that I can't, they can't possibly be as bad as me. Look at how happy they are. Look at how connected they are. I mean, it was just unfathomable (laughs) to me that they felt so good and they weren't drinking. 
Um, but again, it was that it was two things. It was hearing my story come from somebody else's mouth when I really thought that I was the only one who did the things I did and felt the way I felt. And it was that feeling of being included, of being welcome and being safe that really drew me back again. Um, so, I mean, I think that that's the underlying message here is that, you know, maybe even less important than whether or not you figure out if you're an alcoholic or not or less important as to what your opinions might be about 12-step meetings or the fears that you may have about what they'll be like. It's I guarantee, we can guarantee that you're going to find a community there who understands you and who will take care of you and love you just the way you are. So that's certainly the, the underlying point to to both of our experiences, I think, even though what got us in the door were somewhat different things. Yeah, you, you know, it's, it, it, listening to your story, your description of it, I'm like, oh, okay, wait a minute. I had a lot of those feelings, too. It was, um, I I have to say, too, I remember now that, you know, because I was in a church basement, basement as a lot of them are, um, not met, actually most of them are, can be kind of hard to find, um, except for, all you have to do is look for a group of people standing outside drinking coffee and smoking butts and laughing. Smoking cigarettes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, and that tends to be the case. And I, 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 I hung out. I remember hanging out too because I, I was like, okay, I'll go in at the last minute. And there was a Dunkin' Donuts nearby, and it was close enough that I didn't realize that everyone who was going inside at the meeting could see me. And, uh, you know, now you say the way you described it, I'm like, oh, yeah. So I was over, I went and got my coffee, and I was hanging out by Dunkin' Donuts, waiting for exactly the time because I was terrified, like you said, for anyone to talk to me before Mm -hmm. I went in because I forgot. I I had been to uh, a couple meetings before them because I had had a DUI, and they made me go to two meetings. And I just, I think, I mean, I had no, at that time, I had no intention of stopping drinking. So it was a completely different thing. It was went in there and get get my um, court paper signed. And mm-hmm. I just, I sat there. I didn't pay attention. I didn't listen. I was, you know, people said all the same things to me, um, you know, keep coming or whatever. But I had absolutely zero interest in stopping drinking or being there. I, I'm sure I went to the liquor store on the way home. Like, it was not at all like it was when I went after I had decided, mm-hmm. okay, that's it. I'm ready to go. Um, mm-hmm. But what's interesting is, um, so when in uh, where we, in Massachusetts, a lot of times when someone's ordered to meetings, they're ordered to two meetings, which I think is a little bit ridiculous. And I'm sorry, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here because two meetings <laughs> okay. is, you know, they say they say keep going and until it kind of settles in. And, you know, now once I decided to find recovery, once I decided that I had a problem and I wanted to do something, I realized that, you know, if I had possibly when I had been court-ordered years before that, I think it was four or six years before that, my first arrest, um, and I had gone to those two those two meetings. If I had gone to maybe a few more, maybe the second or, you know, maybe the third or fourth time I might have started mm-hmm. to listen. I, all I remember is that people were friendly and they told me to come back, and I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so... <laughs> Um, it's interesting just looking back that actually ended up becoming one of my regular meetings 
once I did decide that I wanted uh, recovery. But um, yeah, all those, all those, the the whole uh, shaking, and I wasn't angry to be there though. I guess that was the difference. By the time I decided to quit drinking, I was I was excited to get drinking. I remember walking home from the meeting and calling probably you and saying, "Oh my God." you know like that was terrifying and and great and um and <laughs> and I can do this and you know but I also I you know I lucked out too I found I found um people that were reached out their hand to me and that I shouldn't say I lucked out people always reach out their hand to newcomers when they see them I know I always make a point when I see someone new um so anyways I kind of rambled there and Not I at all. I think there's an to... important point there, though, like that, that you don't. I mean, there are a lot of people, myself included, that go even though they don't want to. I mean, it doesn't. You know, this is. You do hear stories about people who go to one recovery meeting and it's you know the heavens open and the angels sing and the rainbows descend and it's that's you know it's just sobriety from then on in. But that's that's the that's the exception and not the rule. And the beautiful thing about the people that are found in these meetings is that they've. They've been there. They understand. They, you can be angry in the back of the room. You can be there just to get your court slip signed. You can, you can say you're new or not. I mean, there'll be people are patient and loving, and they accept you either way. If there's no, um, at least in my experience, there hasn't been any form of judgment about your motives for being there. They're just, you know, it, it's, it always plants some kind of a seed, whether you wanted to or not. That's a joke that's you know, that going to these meetings ruins your drinking and you know, there's a degree of truth to that. Because yeah. you what you what you what I carry away and a lot of people carry away is that feeling that the feeling of being understood. And if there's anything that addiction does to most of us, it's this feeling that we're just so other than and so different and so unlovable and so broken. And the atmosphere inside those meetings couldn't be more different than that inclusive well, and accepting and loving. Well, the interesting thing too is that you know, um, you know, like you go in there feeling like, oh, they're going to know it if, if you don't want to be there. Like they're they're going to know I'm a fake. They they they're going to know I don't want to be here. And look at them, they're laughing and all this stuff. That was actually one of the startling things. Everyone's laughing and happy, or not? You mm-hmm. know, most people are laughing and happy to be there. And um, but. If even if you're blatantly like I don't want to be here, no one judges you for that, you know, because they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't want to be here in the beginning either. Everyone gets it. It it's yeah. I feel like no matter what you say, no matter how you act, people understand because someone has been there. Um, Absolutely. That's, that's a yeah. Um. So for the next part of the show, we thought it would be helpful to talk about different meeting formats. Again, different locations offer different different types of meetings, and because we both live in Massachusetts, what we describe here is what we find in our area. But generally speaking, meeting formats follow a similar structure. So one important principle of 12-step meetings is this. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. As such, you do not need to be sober to attend. Many people attend meetings without knowing if they are an alcoholic or not. So do not feel that you can't attend if you're not if you aren't ready to admit that you're an alcoholic. If you are drinking, if your drinking is disrupting your life or your peace of mind or if people in your life have expressed concern about your drinking, going to a 12-step recovery meeting is a great place to start to explore your relationship with alcohol. If you are considering a meeting, a good first type of meeting to consider is an open speaker meeting. 
and um, there is there are meeting books, and they they have codes in the front that tell you what type of meeting each meeting is. And at an open speaker meeting type, um, anyone is welcome. Not only people who believe they may have a drinking problem or who are self-admitted alcoholics. You can go. Um, actually, if you're in my case, when I was court ordered. Um, you could only attend. You're you're only supposed to attend open meetings, and the court will tell you that um, because they want to respect the privacy of um, people who have you know basically made up their mind. Um, and so you know that's what open meetings are there for. And also, open meetings are where you can bring someone, a support person, someone who may not have a problem, but you know just a friend who is, you know, wants you to get better and wants to go with you, you're, they're welcome to attend open meetings as well. Mm-hmm. And so, and basically, let's see, um, so for an open meeting, some groups have other groups come in and speak, which is in our area are referred to as commitments. In some groups, they have group members share their story, and so this is, you know, when people speak up from the podium. Some groups have someone share their story and then open it open it up to discussion, known in some areas as a speaker discussion meeting. And um, speaker discussion meetings are, are, are sometimes are open meetings and sometimes are closed meetings, so, you know, you have to look at that too. But as I said, there's all kinds of codes that tell you what are in there, but basically... An open meeting, you know, just in general terms, is someone sharing their story and they go up and they tell their experience, strength, and hope with, um, you know, what their past, sometimes they talk about what their past was like, sometimes, you know, they don't talk about what their past was like, they just talk about what recovery has given them. Um, but basically, people share their story and um, people who attend the meeting basically sit there and listen. And it's it's just a, it's a great way to to um get to see what meetings are about just to get comfortable you know you're in a room full of people but you know that are there for the same reason and um i found them very helpful and one thing i will say about open meetings too that's important for any meeting not just an open meeting is when people are sharing their story it's important to just keep an open mind and to not compare, to try to identify the things that they are saying that maybe you feel, feelings that you feel that are similar rather than like their specific story. For example, when I share, you know, I may talk about the fact that I've had, you know, multiple DUIs or been arrested, and but I also talk about, you know, reasons why I, you know, drank, you know, that I felt less than or that, um, you know, also I drank because I was a party girl, you know. And so the important thing is, you know, not to say, oh, well, you know, I'm not a, um, you know, I haven't been arrested like, you know, like she has. It's important when you go to a meeting, it's, it's a good opportunity to just listen to how people felt about their drinking and how they feel today. You know, kind of like you That's were saying, really, yeah. about the blonde woman, you know, who, you know, all of a sudden she got up there and she told your story and it's like, wow, you know. Yeah. You know, there's someone just like me. Like, there's such a great feeling in um, having someone just say, me too, 
or, you know, seeing someone share a story and saying, oh, wow, me too, I've had those same feelings. Yeah, it's the feelings too. I mean, it's. Uh, I think it's actually fairly common, especially for people who don't really want to be there, to do that. Well, you know, I because I still had a checklist in my head, like reasons why I couldn't possibly be an alcoholic, and so of, of course I did listen to people share and think, oh, well, I've never done that, and I'm not going to do that, and I wouldn't, you know, and I. So it's. I think it's human nature to start to compare, but it's an interesting exercise to sort of listen to the way that you're comparing instead of identifying. I mean, if you're still in that space where you're trying not to be an alcoholic, shift from the story to the feelings because the feelings are really universal. It's very unusual. I mean, somebody can have a different drug of choice. They can have a completely different experience with their active addiction. And yet when they describe what addiction, how it made them feel, um, and then when they describe how they feel differently in recovery, I mean, those those feelings are practically universal. It's really staggering to realize how somebody you think you have nothing in common with, they don't have to be somebody who looks like you or sounds like you, can really speak to your innermost feelings. I mean, that's that's a that's a really powerful experience. So I'm glad that you that you mentioned that. Um, so definitely the open speaker meeting format is a really good one to try when you're new, because as Amanda said, you can just sit and listen and absorb. Um, for the most part, you, unless it's a speaker discussion meeting, there aren't going to be they're not going to be calling on people or asking people to speak, and so you can do that without any kind of fear about having to share if that's not what you're what you're inclined to do. Um, but there are other types of meetings that are also very helpful when you're new. I mean, all, they're helpful when you're not new, also. But for somebody who's thinking of exploring um, a meeting, and I, I don't believe that they have this type of meeting everywhere, but they are pretty common in our area, which is a beginner meeting. And again, it's coded as a beginner meeting when you look it up online or look in the book, um, the meeting book. And those are geared specifically towards the beginner. Most meetings, um, when anyone is sharing, they really do have somebody who's new in mind. You hear often when people share that the beginner, the newcomer is the most important person in the room. And that's true, not only for the newcomer, but for other people who have been around for a while because it's the people who come in new and share their own vulnerabilities that help everybody stay sober. So a beginner meeting um, is a terrific way to to get introduced to the program, to meet people, to get phone numbers, to be able to feel included with a – I almost think of it like a class. Like I came into my first beginner my, – uh, my home group, actually, the group that I chose to go to on a regular basis was a beginner meeting format and there were several of us who came into the meeting around the same time and we kind of pack up you know we sort of huddled together for a while and and um traveled it's nice to be with people who are at the same point as you are in your journey as well as people who have been around for a while there's also gender specific meetings they have women's meetings and men meeting uh, men's meetings and that's that continues to be an important tool in my um recovery and also you know certainly was really pivotal in the beginning because there's just an energy that's different I think when you're around people of your own gender um some of them are open meetings and some but usually gender specific meetings are closed and I think we should just clarify what open and closed means an open meeting as Amanda explained is um anybody can come a loved one or a friend or or yourself even if you're not sure whether or not you're an alcoholic or that you want to stop drinking a closed meeting is for people who meet the requirement of having a desire to stop drinking. 
Um, you can go to a closed meeting, at least in our area. You can you can go to a closed meeting even if you are, um, you know, you're still drinking, but you know drinking is a problem. Like if you think you have a problem with alcohol, you can go to a closed meeting. They just don't encourage you to bring people who are not looking for help with their drinking problem. So. Usually a men's meeting or a women's meeting are closed um, only for people who wish to stop drinking. There's also young people meetings. Um, increasingly, there's more and more of them for people who are getting sober at a younger age. I think there's just sort of different um, trials and tribulations that people get who get sober when they're young. Um, I mean, Young People in Recovery is an organization that, that really is, uh, endorses that as well, so you can look for a young people meeting. Sometimes you'll also see long-time or old-timer meetings, which is usually geared towards people who have been sober for a while. But those are also great to attend when you're new because you get to hear what it's like when, you've had, when you have years and years of sobriety. So the open speaker, the beginner meetings, the gender-specific meetings, and um, you know, age-specific meetings can be, can be really, really helpful uh, in the early days because what you're really looking for is your community, is your tribe, are the people who are going to understand you the most and and oftentimes people who are in the same life stage that you are in um, are the ones that can, you know, really look at you and say, I've been exactly where you are. So we encourage you to look for those as you're considering your first meeting. Yes, absolutely. Um, They also have, um, oh, I don't know the right term, um, um, uh, gay, lesbian, transsexual um, meetings. So, I mean, there's also, you know, there's a lot of specific meetings that, you know, you know, because there's a lot of different communities that um, may have, you know, feel more comfortable in different types of meetings. So, um, true. again, yeah. the codes are in the front, are in the front of the book. Um, and there are also other meeting formats that be, may be a bit more confusing or detailed for someone who is new, but that are very helpful to begin to explore the 12 steps. And those are, there's 12 steps, 12 steps discussion meetings. Um, some meetings are called big book discussion meetings. There's also tradition meetings. And these tend to be um, literature-based meetings. So when someone, they're great meetings and um, definitely recommended. But when someone is new, they might be a little bit confusing to people. Um, or they may be very helpful as well. Um, big, uh, The big book is the... Um, the main book in one of uh, the recovery, one of the 12-step recovery programs. And so some people find that very helpful to start right there. But if you go, I, the only reason why I say it may be more confusing is there's a lot of terminology that is used in those meetings that someone may not follow along with what the group is talking about. And I, I'm sorry, I sound a little bit big. I'm trying to make sure that I don't cross the boundary of mm-hmm. um, breaking the traditions of the meeting. And actually, traditions is exactly that. They talk about the traditions of the program and why they're there. And, um, you know, so those meetings can be confusing. But there, I, I also know people that started with going to, say, a big book meeting and stuck with it, and that is what works for them. So there, I guess the point that we're trying to make is that there are all different types of meetings that you can go to. And, you know, if you go to one meeting and you're not comfortable 
for one, I I recommend personally, I recommend going to that meeting again because I've had a meeting that was like my favorite meeting that I went to every week for years. And I went, you know, every once in a while there would be a, a meeting where it was not so good. You know, just it, mm-hmm. the, the the group was down on that particular night or something. And, you know, I remember one time there was a new person there and I knew it wasn't a good meeting. Everyone was really down. It was a really um, tough night, you know, which happens. You know, we all have moods. And I remember I went up to the new person after and just said, you know, you know, please come back next week. You know, it's not always like this. And, you know, so you don't always have someone that do that for you. So I recommend, you know, trying different meetings until you find a meeting mm-hmm. that is right for you. And also, you know, try going back to the same meeting because I know some in some areas there aren't a lot of meetings available. Sometimes it's just, you know, the dynamic of the group that night. So it's definitely, you know, try uh, try a meeting a couple times before giving up on it. Um, mhm. That would be my advice yeah, there. <laughs> that's an excellent that's an ex- excellent point. <laughs> Especially if you're not even 100% sure you want to be there, it can be very hard to motivate yourself to to try again because I was looking for any excuse to say, well, that's that then. I'm all set. Um yeah. if you you know, if you want things to change, you have to try things you've never done before and um going back again is definitely a good recommendation. Um, for the for the last part of well, for a couple more things that we wanted to cover, but there are definitely common questions that we get, and um, I just we're going to keep offering this caveat that we can only answer these questions in the, within the framework of our own experience, strength, and hope. Um, but there are definitely our commonalities, and there's definitely I mean because the same questions get asked all the time, um, the answers are pretty similar, and so we'll we'll run through some of the most common ones. And usually they're related to fears. I mean, the fears that we have before we walk into a meeting. It's um, you know one of the reasons why podcasts and online resources are really a great place to start is you can get some of this information and talk to people who have been there before. It really it's a great place to get community, but it does it's not the same kind of energy as you get when you walk into a meeting. So our whole purpose of this show is to really help give people a comfort level um, that whatever is in your head and how scared you might feel, it's it's. 99% in your head. Um, and one, a couple of the ones that we get that are definitely um, sort of logistical-based is, do I have to speak? Will I be called on? Do I raise my hand? Do I have to say I'm an alcoholic? Um, and the answer to pretty much all of those questions is you don't have to do anything that you're not comfortable doing. If it's an open speaker meeting, um, you won't have to be, nobody will be speaking. You'll just be, everybody will be listening. If you go to a, a meeting where there's a discussion involved, some groups do what they call round robin, where if you're sitting in a circle, they just go around the circle. And if you're anything like me, you'll sit there sweating and sweating and sweating until it's your turn <laughs> and you won't know <laughs> what to do when it gets to you. I still feel that way sometimes. It can be distracting. I'm thinking, oh my God, am I going to speak? What am I going to say? Um, but all you have to do is introduce yourself, say your name, say, hi, I'm Ellie, and I'm just here to listen, or I'm Ellie, and I'm new, or I'm Ellie, and I'm an alcoholic. You can say whatever you feel comfortable with. You can also say, I'm Ellie, and I pass. That's all you have to say. You don't. I, I highly encourage you to just say your name at a minimum so people know who you are. 
Um, but people, there's no judgment and there's no real right or wrong way to do anything. And if you are not sure you're an alcoholic and you don't want to say that you're an alcoholic, you do not have to. It's not a requirement. Um, sometimes the most powerful thing you can say is I'm Ellie and I don't know. I'm just here to explore because it's just the truth. Whatever's in your heart is, it is safe to say it in the context of a meeting. Amanda, do you want to talk about some of the other? Yeah, so what if someone offers me their phone number? That's actually very common. And I know I I had about 20 people offer me their phone number, and I was like, why? But it's just a friendly <laughs> gesture. It's very common. They're, you know, they're there to help you. Um, and so you can take it. Um, that I, I recommend taking it. You know, it's someone to call, and I also recommend calling people and asking questions. Um, if I decide to share, like Ellie said, what can, you know, I say, what should, can I say, you can say whatever you want. Um, how long can I speak? Is there a time limit? Um, well, uh, well, going back to what can I say? Well, Ellie, you already explained that. What can I say? Uh, what should I say? It just, it, you can talk about why you're there, um, or whatever, or you can say nothing at all. Like Ellie said, you can just say your name. How long can you speak? Is there a time limit? Some meetings do have a time limit. They usually tell you at the beginning of the meeting. Um, but in general, there isn't a time limit. But um, just a, in, you want to make sure every, you, you can kind of tell by the group how long other people are sharing. Um, you know, typically it's, you know, you know, maybe five minutes or something like that. But some groups do have a time limit. They may have uh, the person who's leading the me- meeting may have a timer at the front, and they they stay to that strictly because they want to make sure everyone has an opportunity to share. Generally, if they know that you're new there and you're sharing, and you go over there, they they'll let you speak. But that's not always the case. Some groups, you know, have strict guidelines that they go to, but they usually read those off at the beginning of the meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, a, probably a big question everyone gets is, you know, what if I see someone I know? Well, if you see someone you know, they're there for the same reason as you. And um, part of the reason why this is, uh, you know, that we're being a little bit cryptic on this show is people within the re- the uh, 12-step meetings respect anonymity and no one is going to say that they saw you. At a meeting, um, that's mm-hmm. it's it's one one of the traditions, and um, that it's it's something that people take very seriously. But I mean, there, I know people get very nervous about that. But the the bottom line is they're there for the same reason as you, and so most likely they're going to welcome you and be thrilled to see you. Definitely, and, it can because, actually end up being a huge <laughs> blessing too, because automatically. There's somebody in recovery, even if they're just an acquaintance when you see them or somebody who's, you know, in your play group or your church group or something, you know, it's as terrifying as it can be. You can get that jolt of fear when you see a familiar face in a meeting and you're new. Many, many times those people end up being a really pivotal part of your own recovery community because they they already know of you and who you are and what kind of person you are. and. Um, I and then I've, I've actually had people that were new that came in when I had been around for a while before I was public with my recovery and and I I just cleared the air I came up and I said hi you know welcome 
And, you know, we're both here for the same reason, and I have great respect for your anonymity, as I know that you will for mine, and I'm just really happy you're here. You know, I just kind of put it right out there so that people don't have to feel like they need to avoid that meeting now because there's somebody they know. Um, That's probably the most common fear that you hear. And lots of people go to meetings like five towns over for a while until they get used to the format of a meeting, then they finally realize that it's a lot easier to go closer to home, and that's okay too. But it's generally yeah. speaking, it's a it's good news if you see somebody you know there. Yeah, because it's, it's it's a safe place to be. And the other thing um, that's interesting too is, you know, if you bump to bump into someone that you see in a meeting in the supermarket, they're not going <laughs> to run up to you and say. <laughs> And you sh- and neither should you run up to them and say, "Hey, it was great to see you in the meeting this morning." You just say hello. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, they're in, and and uh, they're. Uh, I've I've run into people and I've seen them kind of like duck away um, because they're probably thinking, "Oh my God, you know, uh, you know, if she says hi, then you know she might say something." But um, it's it's kind of common pride, common respect that people aren't going to say anything. Um, except for hello, you know you're just exactly. another. You know you meet people everywhere every day. So absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Thought I'd throw um, that in there. No, oh, no, it's good. Yeah, I grappled with that. I used to duck behind, you know, display cases and things at department stores because I didn't know what to do. So it's important to to bring that up. <laughs> And um, the last, for the last part of the show, we just I mean, there's so when you sit in a meeting and you're new, there's so many terms and term this terminology that is tossed around, and it can be really confusing. And if you're in a headspace where you already don't want to be there, or you're feeling like you're just you may not belong there, hearing terms that you don't understand can just make you feel ill at ease. But we thought we'd just really briefly walk through some of the most common ones that you hear that can be confusing. And there's actually one that that really confused me for a long time and that was crosstalk you'll hear people say Mm. and no crosstalking please and i'm thinking what in the heck is that and it's actually a a dynamic of a recovery meeting that that made me a little uncomfortable at first because when people share and they finish sharing everybody says thank you ellie and then they move on to the next person and you do nobody responds directly to your share nobody says you know oh ellie identified with this or I want to talk to you about that you just sort of you you place your truth into the center of the room and you just sort of put it you put it out there for everyone to absorb and listen and honor but you do not nobody's going to respond to you directly and as the person who shares that can take some getting used to because we're so used to having a back and forth where you share something really wrenchingly difficult and you might even be crying or very emotional and everyone just says thank you (laughs) and then off they go to the next person (laughs) But people will circle back after the meeting or at a break in the meeting, and they'll talk to you outside the context of the actual meeting about what it is that you shared, if they have something to that they related to. Um, and, and the same way, if somebody else shares something that really strikes you, that you feel really um, compelled to share with them, the context to do that is outside the actual meeting itself. And so when they say no crosstalk, what they really mean is don't respond directly in this in the context of the actual meeting to anything that anybody says. Because that one just doesn't didn't make logical sense to me. Um, and I'll I'll walk through a few of these, Amanda. Then you can finish up the list here. The other yeah, words I just you hear want to add of... one thing. Oh, go ahead. To that though yeah. is just um, is there a lot of the guidelines that they have where you know the no crosstalk. Feel free to ask someone why that is because I um mm-hmm. you know I didn't understand that there's certain there's certain guidelines that are in place for a reason. 
Um, and some you so I recommend asking someone why that I'm not gonna discuss it on the show. Um, but that there are, you know, good reasons for a lot of the um kind of guidelines that they have with the meeting. I just wanted to add Definitely. That. Yes, there definitely are. Um, another term that you hear a lot is sponsor or sponsee. You'll hear people talk about the things that they do that were really helpful for them in early recovery, and they'll say, I got a sponsor, I went to meetings, I got active in my group, I got a home group. These are all things that you hear over and over again. And a sponsor is somebody that you choose, that you ask to help really guide you through the program of recovery through the 12 steps, somebody who can be kind of a not kind of, somebody who can be a resource for you, somebody you can ask questions of. Typically it's somebody who's got a fair amount of sobriety and who has who shares something that you identify with or who's just got a got something about them that you admire or that you want for yourself and um so that you can ask them to become your sponsor and then each sponsor may have their own guidelines as to how it is that they take on a sponsee and you would be a sponsee. Um, it's not something you have to worry about doing right away, but it's a term you're, you hear over and over and over again. Um, and just as Amanda mentioned, it's just feel free to ask somebody, what does that, you know, what does that mean, or who can I ask? Some meetings will even say, anybody willing to be a temporary sp- sponsor, please raise your hand, and that can be helpful too. Somebody who is just who can help you find meetings and go to meetings, and they can be kind of a, a bridge between you and finding somebody who might be able to help you on a more permanent basis. The other thing you hear a lot is 90 and 90, which means 90 meetings in 90 days. It's a some and I again I don't know if that's common in all locations, but it's certainly something we hear a lot around here. Just to get acclimated to the program, a lot of people will recommend going to a meeting every day for 3 months. Um all of these are suggestions and guidelines. If you don't if you can't go to 90 meetings in 90 days, don't walk out the door and think you can't be part of it. It's just something that's worked for a lot of people, but it's referred to um, it's a, in the shortened version as 90 and 90, and that's what that means. Um, we've already described what the big book means. A lot of people think it's just this enormous book somewhere, but what it is is it's a it's the main literature for um, 12-step recovery programs, in particular for alcohol, and um, it refers to the, the literature. You also hear about the 12 and 12, which is uh, something that talks about the 12 steps and 12 traditions. These are all literature-based terminologies, and um, anybody at a meeting could answer further questions about how you get them and where they are and what they mean. Um, Amanda, do you want to talk about any of the last? What, what have I missed here? Um, well, higher power. People talk about a higher mm-hmm. power, which is um, a higher power means something to different to everyone, but um, that's something you learn about uh, over time, but it's a common some people refer to higher power as God, and there's, you know, people who are fearful sometimes of recovery meetings because there's a lot of people who talk about God, but then basically um, the literature talks about a higher power, and some people interpret that as God, and some people interpret that as just simply a higher power. And um, we actually did a show that kind of talked about that a little bit, and um, I guess the one thing I would add for that is it's not not a religious program. It is for some people, um, but it's I'm not a religious person, and it isn't for me. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's just a term that is is used frequently, and then you'll hear people talking about anniversaries or birthdays or medallions or chips. Those are all um, 
things that are done to celebrate milestones in your recovery, you know, um, and so those are things that you would learn about in the program as well. And I guess the one thing I would add for someone who's new is I remember going there and going, I found someone um, early in the program that I could talk to, and I also had Ellie that I could call and ask, like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> I can tell you it. I, I, we, this was a specific question that we were asked, like, oh, my God, I didn't understand half of what they were saying. And I I just want to say that's very common. Um, there's a lot of terms that are used in recovery meetings, and it's just it's kind of like slang, you know, slang, just in any culture. And over time, you'll get to know what things are. But there was, you know, there were many terms that I was like, what are they talking about? And I just, you know, I guess I would just encourage you to just ask people, you know, what do they mean by that? Because I didn't know what things meant. And actually, my sponsor answered most of the questions for me or why do they do things this way? Like, why do they, you know, why do they recommend that? Like, about the whole, you know, crosstalk. Um, that was something that I was also confused by, and I asked her, and she was able to help me with that. Um, mm-hmm. So the bottom line is it, 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 you will learn what the terminology is. And one thing I actually want to say, too, is some I've heard people say, like, oh, well, you know, this is so clicky, or, um, you know, meetings are so clicky because there's people that have, hung out together and Ellie you mentioned that in the beginning there's sometimes you know when if if you get involved in uh in a particular group a lot of times people you know people who came in at the same time will kind of bond with each other and they kind of form their own little group because they're both they're they're sitting there next to each other going do you know what they what the hell they're talking about and the other person's going no do you know what the hell they're talking about <laughs> like <it's, laughs> and so you kind of it's kind of like this this um bond of you know you both know your your you you've been around about the same amount of time and so you're comfortable that seems to be the only person that you're comfortable asking questions of um but what i have found is it's it's not uh clicky um meetings aren't clicky at all it just it's, when you first get there it may feel that way but people are very welcoming no, you know, yes. that's just been my experience. They're they're happy to have other people join in. Um, yes, it's not. So we're exclusive. we're all. Yeah. And any fear that you may have, they probably have had the same fear, or currently have the same fear. You know, it's just we we all we all have this similar brain. I, that's how I feel. Like we all have the same brain. We think mm-hmm. very similarly. Yeah, you'd be hard-pressed to find something that nobody ever asked before. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So those are, you know, there's a million terms that, you know, that are were confusing to me, and I just keep going, and you will figure it out. That would be my advice. All right. Well, we covered a lot of ground for, I mean, there's there's so much here, but um, we hope this at least addressed some of the, um, initial questions that people have, but also, you know, feel free to um, message us or, to, you know, we uh, actually uh, we could just close the show because we give our our email address there. But please don't be shy about asking for help or um, guidance. And there's lots of resources that can be found online that can give you that. And so, 
We'd like to direct you to our parent organization, ShiningStrong.org, and there you'll find all of our resources, including the Bubble Hour and Crying Out Now and other initiatives around recovery advocacy. Visit our website at thebubblehour.com to find a link to these recovery resources, including Jean's blog, Unpickled, and my blog, One Crafty Mother. Our email address is thebubblehour at gmail.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Please let us know your feedback about tonight's show and any other topic suggestions you may have. And we thank all of you for listening tonight and hope you have a great evening. Thanks, Amanda. All right. Thanks, Al. Good night. Good night. You share the couch. You share the remote. And if you've got a family plan with those other guys, you're probably sharing your data. But at T-Mobile, you don't have to. Now your family can get four lines with up to 10 gigs of 4G LTE data per line. You heard right. Four lines, 10 gigs per line. Stream, post, and download on the network that has doubled LTE coverage over the last year and added extended range LTE with a signal that goes twice as far and is four times better in buildings. Plus, right now, T-Mobile will even pay your family switching fees, up to 650 bucks or more per line when you trade in your smartphones. It's the best value for families. So get 10 gigs for all today, only from T-Mobile. Switching costs paid with trading credit and Visa prepaid card. Device purchase and qualifying service required. Card issued by MetaBank. Member FDIC. Card expires. Coverage not available in some areas. See T-Mobile store for details.